Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be dedicated to a review of the Jaguars game, and then I'm also going to give first quarter grades to all the position groups. Todd Pennington with Columbus-based Revolution Mortgage is the proud sponsor of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. If you're looking to refinance into a very competitive low rate or cash out for debt consolidation or home improvements, now is the time with historically low rates. Todd should also be your go-to guy if you're looking to purchase a new home or get out of renting. So contact Todd Pennington at 614-390-9520 or visit revolutionmortgage.com slash tpennington for more info. Revolution Mortgage is an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 1686046. The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 4 Review. Cincinnati Bengals 33, Jacksonville Jaguars 25. A win. It was so nice to see Burrow kneel down at the end of the game. I hope we get to see another couple hundred of them in our lifetime. What we're one, two, and one right now. We could easily be three and one, four and zero oh, if a couple plays went differently. The bullet kick, maybe one extra play in the Eagles game. I mean, even in the Browns game, if we got the ball one more time, you never know what would have happened there. I mean, we could easily be a four and zero oh team right now, so that's encouraging. Even though we have a couple losses, we're playing well. We're in every game. We're scoring a lot of points. And think about it, we're playing the Ravens right now, and that's a tough matchup. They're phenomenal in the trenches, Lamar Jackson out of his mind, Ingram's going to be tough to stop, the tight ends, the whole deal with the, with those guys. But if we can piece together a win at the Ravens, we go to a 500 record. You know, I know maybe I'm dreaming a little bit, but I have my eyes on, you know, one game at a time. Here we go. Let's beat the Ravens, and next thing you know, we're, we're in the hunt. We're in the playoff hunt. And just keep going from there. Keep building. Schedule's tough. You know, after the Ravens, we have the Colts. Tough game. We got the Steelers coming up twice. You know, there's there's a bunch of tough games down the road. But I'll tell you, we're going to go score for score with a lot of people this year. So if the defense can hold up and we can keep Burrow healthy, we're going to be in every game this year. So that's exciting. And again, Zach Taylor might be listening to this podcast. They're using the five wides thing like I've been suggesting I'd said start off the next game with it. They started off the game with it. Get mixing out of the backfield. They got mixing out of the backfield. All right, moving on to the game flow and some of the coaching aspects of this game. It was another one of those games early on. It was kind of that score-for-score score game. I like games like that. There was a little bit of tension at the end of the half. You know, we, we had to climb out a little bit, get ahead. And as we saw, they made some halftime adjustments, which is the key to winning games in this league. We scored on the last five drives. The offensive line performed a lot better in the second half. So they saw some things. They corrected some things. They got some guys motivated. And we played well. And there was a lot of points left out there. You know, although we scored 33 points, which was excellent, there was a couple touchdown passes out there. I mean, we could have easily have gone over 40 in this game had everything gone our way. But still, a very good offensive effort. And we're going to be going score for score with everybody. And I'm liking the way the offense is working with Coach Callahan and Coach Taylor and Burrow, that whole communication thing, the formations, the play calling, um, using the five wides a lot. And using the five wides with having a a running back go in motion and come back into the backfield, that opens up so many possibilities. We saw the jet sweep a couple times too, which was nice. I think they ran it three or four times. It was nice to see Erickson get one. 
And I don't want to send Boyd or Green on jet sweeps only because it's such a dangerous play. Like, even on the one jet sweep, Boyd's legs got bent in a weird way, and I was like, oh, God, you kind of dread those plays. We continue to use that bunch formation, which is excellent. Sometimes they'll have it tight with a tight end and then two wide receivers. You know, when you see that little triangle of wide receivers, and then sometimes you saw it split out wide, and they you can run so many route options off of that. You know, you can just have two guys going one way and the other guy undercutting. And there's, there's so many variations to get guys open off of that bunch formation, and they're using it effectively. And they also brought in the extra tackle, which I thought was clever this game. It was Fred Johnson, and they brought him in for a handful of plays. It might have been like three or four. I don't remember them doing anything drastically successful in that formation, but it's still a nice wrinkle to add in. I like the idea of it, and if you keep plugging at that, that's something that could work by having the extra offensive lineman in there. And then some of the other aspects of the game, we let up points at the half again. It's just amazing. Like, we could give the team a ball with six seconds left, and they'll find a way to score at the end of the half. It's a crazy trend. I think I read something. It was like 24 out of the last 34 games we let up points at the half. And even in this game, we gave them the ball with less than a minute left. I'm like, you know what? We have a chance now to break this bad streak. And, of course, they went down for a field goal. And the biggest coaching decision of the game to go for it on fourth and one from your own 35 early in the game. Bold move. Because if you think about it, we were in the shotgun and we ran a running play, which isn't very common. If that play wouldn't have worked, everyone would have been all over Coach Taylor and been like, he made a bad call, what's he doing, he ruined this game, he doesn't... You know, that was a very big gamble to take, and he felt that he had the play call that would work, and the team executed, and it worked. So, gutsy call. I I was, at the time, I was like, go for it. And we did it. Nice job, Coach Taylor, Coach Callahan. And the Jags made some errors. I mean, they lined up in the neutral zone on one key play, and that's, that's, you can't line up in the neutral zone. Just, you have to see where the ball is and not be over the ball. It's, it's, that's a, a really mental error that's not a good thing. That's so preventable. And then Minshew fell early on in the game, you know, kind of when we were just going back and forth, back and forth, and he, he was looking like he was going to heat up a little bit, and then he fell on that play, and that kind of killed that drive. And they abandoned the run game too early. I'm telling you, with the reputation that our defense had going into that game, I would have kept Robinson going way into the third and fourth quarter, regardless of being behind. Because even the one play, he had that huge run that was negated by a hold. But anyway, it was a flag-crazy game too. Those those refs were throwing flags on everything. So those are tough games to watch. Because up to this point, in the NFL right across the board, there haven't been as many flags as in the past, which I really like. All right, so let's move on to the players now. And we'll start with the quarterback position, Joe Burrow. You know the one thing that I really noticed in this game was the difference in energy level between Burrow and Minshew. Minshew was kind of just casual, not really animated, and you could see how Burrow was so into the game. He's so focused. He's so intense. Even in between series, he's on the bike, riding the bike. Like, he's all go, all moving forward, all positive, all movement, all energy. And I think there was a big difference in the two quarterbacks. If you watch the game and really analyze the body language and what those guys were doing off, off the field and on the field, our quarterback was way more intense. So very, very cool. I like that. Keep that up. Keep that fire. Outwork, out want everybody out there which he does, and it's working up to this point. And so he puts together his third 300-yard passing game. If you notice, we're seeing like a new record set every week. There's some new Joe Burrow record 
going on all the time. And this will be just the beginning. I'm telling you, this guy is the real deal. If you look at the throws in this game, this game they protected him a lot better than they did in the first three, as we all know. I mean, from watching these games, it feels like when they give him time that he's like 85 to 90% completion percentage on those plays. He's so accurate. He's When you give him time, the ball is getting to the right spot at the right time. If you've seen the errant throws, there haven't been too many where he's sitting back there and then misses. It's only been when he's under duress. So also other encouraging things. And he was great in the two-minute drill. He's going to be one of those quarterbacks that's going to be like that, that's going to have a whole bunch of game-winning drives. You give him the ball with 38 seconds left in the half, and he's finding a way to score. He just has that savvy and that cool and that urgency to succeed in the two-minute drill. So that's another encouraging thing to see out of this guy. My favorite pass was the pass to Seathan Carter. And he just floated it perfectly in there. It was just like the perfect ball. Like anyone could have caught that ball. It was just in perfect motion. The defender had no chance at it, and it just lightly fell into Carter's hands. It was just the most perfect throw. I'm going to show that on social media and break that down on Instagram and Twitter because it was just a fun play to analyze. But really, it's throws like that that you're just like, oh my God, what a catchable, accurate ball. And then on to some of the negatives. And again, with him, there's very few negatives in these games. I'm, I'm being real with you. The interception... It hit Sample in the face mask. It was tough. It was a contested catch. He put it where it could be caught, but a lot of things went on, and it was almost a touchdown. So I'm not going to blame him for the interception. It got wrestled away by an elite defender. No problem there. Took a couple unnecessary hits just trying to extend the play. There was one early on. He got hit by a linebacker who came in late. Nobody's fault of the offensive line. Everyone was blocking their guys successfully on that play. And then Joe didn't see anyone downfield, so he's scrambling around a little bit. Decides he might have one chance to get rid of it. By then, this linebacker closed on him fast and tagged him. That was early on in the game. So we want to try to avoid hits like that in the future. But he's learning. And then the deep balls. You know, the the media will always find something that you're not doing right and try to give it some juice. And yes, the deep ball hasn't been there for Joe Burrow yet. Believe me, it will be there. It's just a matter of time. But he missed three long balls in this game. There was one to Higgins and two to Green. I mean, Green could have caught one of them, but you can call them either way. There was, I'd say, three misses from deep. So the critics are going to point to those plays and say he can't throw the ball downfield. But, I mean, we're, we're talking less than a yard off on some of those throws. And that'll happen in time. I mean, the guy has only played four games. He's doing phenomenally in every other aspect. So, um, yeah, there were a couple of deep misses. I'm not going to hide from it, but that's correctable, and he's going to be just fine. All right, moving on to the rest of the offense, Joe Mixon, what a game. I'm glad he had a big stat game like that because his stats were looking lean in the first three games. No matter how hard he was trying, how hard he was running, he wasn't getting the blocking. This game, he got some blocking, got some good opportunities, some excellent play calls. They used him in a lot of ways, so he was very successful in the ground and in the air. And the key is he didn't get frustrated. You know, on his first 10 rushes, I think he had 26 yards. And based on the first three games, he could have easily have sulked and said, this is just not happening and and given up and had bad body language. But he didn't. He stayed in that game. He kept pressing. And eventually it panned into a phenomenal week, the best week out of any running back. Bernard. He's having fun out there. You know, he's getting up there in his career, but he he's he has a home in Cincinnati. He's productive every time he touches the ball. He's smiling. He's happy. He's jabbing at the defense verbally, all lighthearted. So it's it's nice to see him having a good time this year. 
and I hope that he's around for our future when Burrow keeps leading us to the playoffs and eventual Super Bowls. The offensive line. Jonah's getting better every game. This game, he didn't go up against as great of pass rushers as in the past, but you can see he's improving, he's active, he's aggressive, he's getting out there, he's quick. So I'm happy with what he's doing. And Redmond, Alex Redmond, I have always been a fan, even though people pan him for the penalties. Even Sands, my football expert who appears on this show, pointed out a lot of deficiencies in his game, and it kind of swayed me. And then when they cut him, I was like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess they were right. But I, I love him. He plays so intense, so aggressive, hustles, tries so hard. He's going to make his mistakes, you can see. And he's going to get his penalties for being too aggressive or, you know, getting so jacked up in his head that he false starts. I get it. He, he just, the switch goes on when he's out there more than most linemen. That's the secret to Alex Redman. He's doing it with pure adrenaline and aggressiveness, not necessarily as much skill as some of his peers, but he makes up for it on that other end. So with that, you're going to get those mental mistakes because the the freak-out cylinder just snaps in his head and he goes. And he was getting tired at the end of the game. You could see in the fourth quarter, you know, if you analyze the offensive line play, he did let up a few. He let up a pressure, I think a hit on Burrow. He let Mixon get buried a couple times by missing blocks. I get it, though. He ran out of gas. All these guys have been playing for four weeks, and he's just snapped into the starting lineup off the couch, basically. If he puts it together, he's the best guard that we've had in there this year, Suofilo included. So I think he's going to be in there if he stays healthy. I think they're going to go with Redmond, and it did make a difference in this game. They were running behind him a lot, to be honest with you. And Hopkins was solid. I guess the play that we all noticed with Hopkins was the holding call on that beautiful touchdown throw to Boyd. That was tough at the time. And in the flow of the game, just watching the game live, I was mad. I was like, you know, you just cost us four points. You know, this offensive line, you know, I, I went on that whole tangent. But then I watched the game back, and they had Josh Allen running freely at Burrow. So I thought about it in two ways. Truthfully, if he didn't do that and Burrow got wrecked and got hurt or, you know, just something really bad happened on that play... We would have been like, why didn't you just hold him, Hopkins? You got beat. Don't let your quarterback get killed. So you can't play it both ways. You can either get mad at the guy for holding and costing you points, or you can say, you know what, he kind of saved Burrow in that instance. So I, this season, or any season, I will take save Burrow in that instance. We're going to put up plenty of points, and we did. What looked like a really bad mistake was probably a really good move. The wide receivers continue to play really well. Boyd is just amazing. He took a beating this game. I'll tell you, that Wingard is dirty, man. He was he was hitting people in weird spots a little late, celebrating when, when Boyd was down. I know he didn't see him, but it was still really uncool, really bad optic watching him dance while Boyd is on his knees. That was really uncool. And then Mixon went up and said something to him. And I said to my girlfriend, I was like, you think he, he was just like, wow, you're dancing when someone's hurt behind you? And she's like, nah, he threatened him. <laughs> so I always appreciate her brutal honesty with this stuff. So um, you know what? Could threaten him for that because that was not cool. And then later in the game, Joe Burrow ran out of the pocket and slid, and Winger just kind of stood there and let Burrow awkwardly slide into his legs. It was just another uncool move. But I'm not here to diss on players in the NFL. But I mean, you, I guess you want your safety to play aggressively. But I don't know. He did a couple things I just didn't think were too cool. But going back to Boyd, what an amazing game. He's just going to he's gonna go to the Pro Bowl with Burrow. He's going to 
just continue to put up numbers. And like I said, he took a beating and just came back and came back and came and kept making plays. Don't be surprised if you see him creep up on the injury report for this week. He's going to play next week, obviously. And Tate made that great leaping catch. And you know what? With Tate, it's the blocking as well. He's really showing his worth for the team because he can go up and get balls when needed. He can bail Burrow out. He seems to have that knack, like Michael Thomas, like Mike Thomas, to find the eyes of the quarterback and help him out. And that's always good when you have a receiver, especially with a big catch radius that you can just dump the ball up in desperation and have him make a play. So he was very good on that. And like I said, his blocking is really going well at this point. Higgins, he had some drops, and he's going to have drops. That's what happens with rookies. It takes a little time at that position. I know I keep saying it. But he's not like your average rookie. He's someone that you can tell is going to be a good wide receiver. And he dropped the one jump ball downfield. That could have been a big play. But then the next play, he, he, you see him cutting across field on that 30-yard run after catch. So he's, he's going to be all right with us. Don't worry about those drops. I, I believe that that's going to just be fixed as time passes and he gets more experience. Only played in a few NFL games. Your adrenaline's pumping so hard. Sometimes the little things get complicated. AJ keeps grinding out there. He hasn't really had much success in the last couple games. They're looking for him deep. You know, those plays are going to happen. He's a superstar receiver. And the other guys are picking up the slack right now. So let AJ get his legs underneath him, get used to everything. And if we start winning some games and becoming a threat to make the playoffs, he's going to be such an asset down the road. So I have no worries about that. Tight end position was pretty active, too. Sample was having a good game blocking. He finds a way to get open and get receptions. He had two plays in the end zone that could have been touchdowns that weren't completed catches, but they were contested catches, so they could have went either way. But it's nice to see him at least running routes and getting some kind of separation where Burrow's going to get him the ball. So that's going to continue throughout this year and throughout his career. So good stuff out of the tight end position. As I said, really good blocking. The catch by Carter was great. All right, on to the defense. They started two linebackers, Pratt and Bynes. That's kind of been the M.O. for this season, getting kind of a nickel look. The extra DB out there, pull a linebacker. And the linebacking play was was solid again. Bynes struggled slightly, but still made his plays. Pratt is continuing to get better and better. And Jordan Evans, you know, that's a game that you make sure that you have recorded and saved forever because you played a, a really good game, man. You weren't really in the plans this year at linebacker, and you got the opportunity, and you you came with it. You had the sack on the blitz. You had the interception. It bounced up in the air. You, you had first went in to pass rush, saw the ball up in the air, come back for an interception. Really good play. So ride that momentum, man, because it's, it's only going to help you and this team. Excellent game out of him. Defensive line had a decent game, too. You know, there were some yards there for Robinson, but a lot of teams are giving up yards to Robinson. Reader continues to play well, solid in the middle, performing his assignment correctly on most of the plays. And the backup D-linemen, Akinmoladun, Covington, Bledsoe, Brown, this Khalid Kareem, who I'm really starting to like, all those guys played valuable snaps for us and, and productive snaps. I'm happy about that. And they're saying that Gino may be coming back. I'm not sure of the timetable. Every week you think it's this week. I'm hoping it's next week. But hey, these guys got some valuable time and they're going to be ready for us to drop into the rotation and do their job as the season goes by. The corners let up more passes than I thought they would, but they weren't a liability in this game. Everyone was active. Everyone was making plays. They were picking on LaShawn Sims. And in all fairness, he struggled. He let up a bunch of passes. 
we missed Mackenzie Alexander. If Mackenzie was in this game, I don't even think it would have been close. But either way, you know, Sims made a good play on that one end zone where he batted the ball up in the air and almost grabbed the interception. Problem is, next play, he gives up the touchdown. So that's the story with a, a defensive back. If you make a play in the end zone, don't celebrate too much right away because they might come right back at you. And I thought Phillips played well, too. He's been having a decent year up to this point. Actually, a really good year. William Jackson active. Of course, he's going to let up passes. But for the most part, he, he was doing his job as well. And then lastly, on the defense, over to the safeties. Bates is really coming on. Just his awareness, his ability to get to the right spot. He obviously has the physical skills, but the mental game is really clicking for him right now. He's just putting himself in the right spot all the time. And he had that batted ball up in the air that went for the interception. He had a big hit on our old friend Tyler Eifert, which was just so typical of Eifert's career. I mean, he plays the Bengals for the first time ever as as an opponent, and we get one good pop on him, and he's coming out of the game going to the tent. It's just uh, crazy. I wish it would have worked out for him here. But anyway, Bates was in on that play. And then Bates bailed out Gaither. It's good. You know, Gaither's going to learn. I'm glad that he learned in a win here. It's just a coverage thing. He, he, was, he was on a quicker man. He took the wrong angle. He got beat. And the guy almost scored. But there's our, our safety coming over at the right time, the right velocity. Boom. Bates makes the tackle. So a bunch of big plays out of Jesse Bates. Really happy with the way he's playing. Keep it up, man. Keep it up. You're going to the Pro Bowl this year. And Von Bell continues to be active. He's exactly what they said he was. A great tackler. Get his nose in there. Play Can play in the box if you need him. He's becoming the asset that I thought he was going to be. And I'll tell you, he made that tackle on the two-pointer, which is an open field. They, they flipped it to the running back. He's hit one-on-one in open space against the running back. And he just showed why they brought him in. Makes the tackle, saves the two-pointer, kind of puts the game a little more out of reach. So really excellent job out of him. Very happy with the play of these safeties. Special teams continues to be solid. And Bullock has been flawless since the miss early on. So again, you get mad at a player. A lot of people were like, cut him, cut him. I'm glad that cooler heads prevailed and we let this guy just do his thing because he's doing great at this point. And then my MVP, Brandon Wilson, had a little bit of a rough game. Uh, he had the, the punt early from Huber, which was a perfect punt. And again, Huber continues to punt excellently. And Wilson was going to make the catch at like the one, which would have been perfect. He almost made it, but then he he went into the end zone. So, I mean, 20 yards in field position, but it almost was a great play. And then the one kickoff, when they kicked it short, I was like, oh, they kicked it to him. And you could see everyone in the house, everyone on the team, Brandon Wilson himself was like, oh, you guys made a mistake. This is going to go long. And like all of you must have thought too, when you saw the ball get kicked to him, you were like, oh, he's going. And he got excited. He bobbled the ball a little bit. Then he got up, tried to make a quick move on a slick field. A lot of guys were slipping on that day. And he falls down. So he actually gets a 10-yard kick return to his credit there. But it really was overexcitement. That's what I felt led to that. He was just like, oh, my God, they kicked it to me. I'm going to make you pay. And, uh, you know, that happens. He's going to return a bunch of good ones this year, so I, and I'm not worried about that one. I just love when I see that ball float into his hands. All right, so that's my review of the Jaguars game. Again, so nice to get a win. I'm in such a good mood. The last couple Sundays when we didn't win, I was like, by 10 o'clock at night, I just wanted to go to bed. I just wasn't in the mood. Next day, I wasn't even in the mood. Yeah, I know, the games affect me a little more than the average person. All right, so since we hit the four-game mark, it's like the quarter point of the season. I'm going to give grades on each position group through these four games. Quarterback, 
A. The only thing I'm going to say is watch the tape. Running backs, I'm going to give a B. When they have the opportunities, they're doing their job. Doing great blocking for Burrow as well. And Mixon's big game definitely brings this grade up into a B. Offensive line, I'm going to give him a D. It's hard for me to give any position group an F because they're my guys. But this offensive line has struggled all season long. Last game was different. If they continue where they played last game, they're going to go to somewhere in the C to B range. But as of right now, through four games, you got to give him a D. Tight end, C. Good job blocking. Not as much of a factor as I was hoping in the past game. But all around, a pretty decent effort. Wide receivers, A. Even though AJ may be struggling a little bit, everyone's playing well there. They're making a lot of catches. There's very few drops. Guys are getting open. When Burrow has time, those guys get open. Great things happen. That's a definite A for this season. Defensive line, I'm going to give a C because we've had our problems stopping the run. There were times where we weren't getting any pressure. And things have been hot and cold. We've had some good moments and some not-so-good moments. So overall, that would bring them to a C. The linebackers, I'm going to give a B- to. They haven't cost us games like in the past. They struggled a little bit against the Browns, but for the most part in the other games, it hasn't been a major liability. They've been better in coverage. They've been better in tackling. They've been in the right positions. Cornerback, I'm going to give a solid B to. You know, we've let up our share of passing yards, but it's never been this huge liability where you're like, oh my God, we're just going to get lit up in the air. So William Jackson's having a good season. Mackenzie Alexander's having a great season. So across the board right now, that position group is a definite B. Safeties, A-. minus. Bates is on top of the league. Bell is playing great. It's just the one game against the Browns. There was a lot of touchdowns let up by that position, so that's the only reason why I'm going to give him the blemish, but that's going to be an A position group for the rest of the season if those guys stay healthy. And special teams, they get the A- minus as well. They've been really good up to this point. Brandon Wilson, the coverage, Bullock. You just got to give him the one nick because of the missed field goal in the first game. So those are my grades for each of the Bengals' position groups. But none of that means anything. Let's just keep playing well, keep winning games. I don't care if they all get C's. If we go 10-6 and six or 10-5-1, and one, I'll be thrilled. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a preview of the Bengals-Ravens game. And I'm also going to have Sands and Tom McLevy come in to talk about the Ravens game and also talk about what happened in the Jaguars game. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Excellent highlights, really cool music, definitely something you guys should check out. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network that brings you the unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram and Twitter, and Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. They really do have a roster of top-notch podcasts, and they sell merchandise. It's kind of like your one-stop shop for entertainment. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.